You just see those clips, and uh, it is good. I, I had to go to L.A. this week, and so seeing that is extra refreshing. Um, the sky and the freeway were the same color. Uh, I'm from there, and it still was like, oh, yeah, this was, I was breathing, breathing that gravy for years, and so it's good. It is good. Uh, it's good to be back here, too. Just a couple of weekends ago, uh, got to go kind of escort our worship leader, Brad, out to his new church location in St. Louis and kind of hand him off there. And then we had Heights Camp last weekend. Any of you Heights Campers uh, here with us? That was a special time, but it's good to, to dive in with you. Um, it doesn't take much for you and I to kind of look at our life and think about all this time that we're spending. As Pastor John's been uh, walking us through the last couple of weeks, if time were a ping pong ball and we've only got 948 of them on average, most of us have 948 months uh, to our life. And so how we spend the time that we've got is really an interesting conversation and a really interesting thought. As we kind of dive in today, the thought is hitting me though that... Um, not all ping pong balls are created equal. Uh, some months are more life-changing than others, correct? Uh, some moments in your life are more life-altering than others. In a sea of orange ping pong balls, occasionally there's a white one. And what happens in that month or what happens in that moment is radically different it, it's a fork in the road sort of moment. Um, it, it's a loss tragically. Um, it, it's a, it's a big opportunity before you. It's a financial hardship. It's a family issue. It's more opportunities than you can possibly handle right at your doorstep or no opportunities before you and you feel stuck. Uh, there's a moment in time that is different than just any other month. And, and what we do with those moments is really, really crucial. Uh, how, we, how we seek the Lord and invite him in uh, to those moments. Uh, you, you can screw up a lot of the orange ones, but you get one of these wrong, and there's a, an awful lot of implications. And so I feel like Heights is at one of these white ping pong ball moments right now. We've got a moment in time here where um, there's a fork in the road. There's an opportunity. There's actually multiple opportunities. And as one of the pastors here, I'm just trying to process with these other brothers and sisters in Christ, what is it, Lord, that you want us to do? I don't want to lag behind you. And I certainly don't want to run out ahead of you. I only want what you want. Um, but we want to make the most with the time that we have been given. And teach us, Lord, to number our days because it's more than just my life that, that matters. And so uh, what, what is it, God, that you've got for us? Uh, Esther in the Old Testament was a woman who, who had a moment in time that was not like um, other moments that she had had. She had a couple key moments and how she kind of got through those with the help of an older relative is really, really instructive for me. Um, God is moving constantly and orchestrating things that are beyond my comprehension. 
And yet at the same time, he's always intersecting through individuals and through groups of people and through cultures of people. And when those individuals or groups or cultures are really attuned uh, to him, are really uh, open to what he's got, then God can really flood through uh, those moments and those opportunities and kind of change the trajectory on a whole uh, grouping of people or a whole city or a whole nation if, if there's unity and openness there. And... What, what Esther's dealing with is she, she was orphaned and raised by this older relative named Mordecai. Uh, she's uh, one of the Jewish people that at this point were dispersed and scattered, and she's growing up as a Jewish woman in Persia. And the king of Persia uh, was named Xerxes. Uh, Xerxes um, had, had kind of kicked his uh, wife out and no longer queen, and so they needed to replace uh, the queenship. And so they held this kind of pageant sort of thing to select the next queen. And as it turned out, as God would orchestrate things, um, then, then here comes Esther. Esther, a Jewish woman, uh, unbeknownst to the rest of them, uh, becomes queen of Persia. She's chosen. And now the real drama begins. Uh, the second in command to the king hates the Jewish people and he has designed a day ahead of time where all the Jewish people are going to be murdered in their area. And word gets back to some of the Jewish people and Mordecai, uh, the, the older relative that had raised Esther as his own knows that this is one of those white ping pong ball moments. This is a moment in time opportunity. And so he goes to Esther and, and pleads with her. He, he urges her and says some pretty phenomenal things to her. And, and he's gonna, he's gonna encourage her. You, you gotta step in and use your, your position as queen to speak up, to intercede on behalf of your people. Step in, step up, and talk to the king. This presented two challenges. One, it would out her as a Jewish woman, as queen, whoops. And two, culturally, she had not uh, interacted with the, the king in about a month. And, and culturally, if you went in uninvited to the presence of the king, even as the queen, he could take your life. And so her life would be on the line uh, she's sticking her neck out for her people, but it came with some risks and some challenges. But, but in, in Esther chapter 4, verse 14, the, the words that Mordecai speaks to Esther are, I just feel like the Lord is just crushing these words deep into my heart. I want to share them with you today. Mordecai says, for if you remain silent, Esther, at this time, Relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. It's familiar verses if you've been around the Bible or heard the story of Esther before. But those words are so key. And I feel the Lord kind of drilling them in, wanting me to apply them to my own life. I'm wondering if he might not want them uh, applied to your life. 
and maybe the life of our church. Uh, I, I think the encouragement here that he gives right off the bat is pretty key. I mean, he says, for if you remain silent at this time, which just to be honest, it's always an option, right? You and I can totally remain silent. When you've got an opportunity before you, uh, you you've got uh, a moment before you, uh, you can speak up or you can shut up. We, we have the opportunity to remain silent and say nothing. We've got the opportunity to remain silent and do nothing. Remain silent with our actions. This is what is most comfortable to Ron Merrill. I am a wimp. I am. I am not a, a risk-taking sort of individual. I'm one of those types of people. I might have two or three friends here that, that can relate. But I'm one of those people. I don't like trying something unless I know I'm going to be good in, at it ahead of time. If I can anticipate, okay, snowboarding, I, I can nail that on the first try, then I'll do snowboarding. If I look at snowboarding and go, there's no way, you give me years, I'm never going to be good at I won't even give it a shot. It's just the way that, that I'm, I'm wired. And so when it comes to these moments with God, where I, I sense that he's wanted me to take a step out, a step of faith, one that's risky, uh, bring some challenges to it that I may even fail, um, I'm not a huge risk taker. The problem is not so much with regard to snowboarding or other activities. It's just when it comes to my own relationship with God. I, I, may, I may not opt to do things that I should be doing and stepping out in faith and just opt for the comfortable route. I, I don't want to be someone that just remains silent. Mordecai says, for if you remain silent this time, this is good words, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. In other words, uh, if you do nothing, if you say nothing, relief and deliverance are going to come just not through you. In other words, you and I cannot thwart God's plans, but we can miss out on being used by God in his plans. And I don't, I, I don't want to be that. I've had so many of those moments. Anybody in here had a moment where they feel like God was really kind of leading them this direction and you opted out and you missed out? Nobody's raising their hand. Good job. <laughs> it's true for you in this room. It's true if you're watching online. This is one of those things where you're, you're faced with all sorts of choices and, and instructions from God. And I just don't want to miss out. Relief and deliverance will come. Did you know that relief and deliverance are something that is always going to be needed this side of heaven, God loves motivating his people into action to bring relief, to bring deliverance. There's people that are hurting. There's people that are sad. There's people that have lost. There's people that are wrestling with stuff internally. And they need relief. And we can be the hands and feet of Jesus to bring relief to those in need. There's people that need deliverance. Deliverance from addictions, deliverance from things that bind them, deliverance from the enemy, salvation in Jesus Christ. And I don't want to be one that, that misses out on, on 
bringing relief and deliverance. I want, I want God to use me. I want God to use us uh, to that end. It's always going to be something that's needed. But I guarantee you this, if you, <laughs> if you opt in, you say, yes, God, I'll be used for the relief and deliverance of some other people, I can guarantee you, comes with that is challenges, risk. Mordecai says, you and your family will perish which is such a good reminder because just before this, he said, hey, don't think that if you don't opt in on this, you're going to escape the calamity that's coming. Every single one of us in here is going to die. What do you want to do with the, the ping pong balls that you got before you die? I mean, that's the heart of what we're just trying to have a conversation about for a month or so. I don't want to get to my deathbed and live a life of regrets. In the small moments or, or the big moments. I want to love extravagantly everybody that comes across my path in the name of Jesus, plain and simple, over and out. Do I do that all the time? No. But I've been affected so much by his love, that's what I want to do, and I think that's what he's called his church to do. But it comes with some risks and challenges. People don't care for this, that, or the other thing. It may take a risk of your comfort or your way of life in order to step out in faith in this manner. That's never super comfortable. Some of you get called into the mission field as a result of today or this next season, and maybe you actually literally have to put your life on the line. If he says, I, I want you to go to one of those places, I'd like to think I'd be obedient to that. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this? Who knows that you've come to your royal position for such a time as this? Every single one of you in here are the royalty of God. You've got a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You're a son and daughter of the King. You are spiritual royalty. Every one of you in here is a minister of God, each in your own right. And I, I take this now to heart and begin to apply that to my own life, my family life, uh, my relational life, uh, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And maybe you do that as well. Start to think about where he has placed you whether you appreciate it or not, whether you like it or not, whether it's, it's easy street right now or anything but easy street. Apply Mordecai's words to your situation. Who knows that God has not positioned you in that marriage for such a time as this? Who knows that God has, has not put you at that school or next to that person that you sit next to at class for such a time as this? Who knows that he's not allowed you to experience the challenges that make you sit where you sit now for such a time as this. Maybe he's put you in the workplace that he's put you in for such a time as this. And just letting God breathe that over my life and my circumstances changes a lot about how I'm processing this moment in time that I've got. Such a time as this, not all ping pong balls are created equally. 
And we've got some right now that I'm starting to look through the lens of the life of Heights Church and just go, okay, this moment in time for us is the body of Christ here at this moment in history. What opportunities are there before us? If this, in fact, is a a bit of a different moment in time, then are we supposed to uh, step out in faith and take a risk on behalf of some people that need some relief and deliverance or not? And so now everything that I'm going to roll out here is just on behalf of the leadership of Heights. And it's stuff that we feel like the Lord has been stirring up for over a year and a half now as we've been praying and we've been talking. But you are the church. And we didn't want to just come out with, hey, we bought a $70 million building in Dewey, so get on board or get out. Like, we're not going to do that. We, we want you to seek the Lord with us, knowing that ultimately the calls that we have to make fall on the leadership that God's put in place here. But I'm going to invite you to really seek the Lord with us and, and take some measures individually or as a family to pray over these things. And we'll have opportunity to seek the Lord together in the weeks to come. But the issues are obvious. You're the ones that just had to wait way longer than you should to get in here. And, and so there's opportunities before us that, that are coming as a result of the issues that we're facing. Here's some of the issues that we're facing. We are crowded. We, we don't have a whole lot more seats. That's for Sundays, but it's also for children's ministry, uh, youth ministries. When they break into small groups, there's nowhere for them to go when it's snowy or whatever. We're processing all the different options from when they can meet in homes or they can meet here. There's now 1,500 people in life groups at Heights Church, which is fantastic. But... But where they gather and where we can train and equip up and what is there's just this constant struggle. Um, we're, we're trying to figure out what do we do with all the people that the Lord brings to us here and throughout the week. They started a fifth and sixth grade ministry just a few weeks ago, and there's already a hundred fifth and sixth graders showing up on a Sunday here. And they're crammed in a room during one service that is really suited for about 25 or 30 kids, and they've got, they had 52 last week. And, and so what, what do we do with that? We're just trying to pray and process through what we do with that. Another issue is knowing what we know about the future of our area, the future growth of our area. You drive down 89A and you see tractors and what they're doing around here. We know that, that as God has orchestrated things, um, there, there are roughly 5,000 homes slated to be built Around this area, Heights Church is literally at the epicenter of all of that. And how many people move into those and whatnot, that's just first phase, much less than when it starts to spread out. They're not doubling the road up to Chino and whatnot for no reason. Granite Dells Parkway right up the way, if you get off and go that way, it goes that way and then it stops. So it doesn't stop there for no reason. Somebody's thinking ahead of time and they've planned for the future. Well, right now, we don't have any place to put them. And I'm happy to pray them to other churches. We've got such great brothers and sisters in Christ in our community, and we are on board with them and not competing in any way, shape, or form. But I also want to be sensitive to what God's doing here, and we're just going, man, we know the area is going to grow, and we don't have any room for them, so what are we supposed to do? 
We're praying through all of that. There's just so many of those sorts of moments that we're trying to wrestle through in God's word and figure it out. We look at all of northern Arizona. I don't know. We, we, I don't say this like arrogantly or pridefully at all. It's actually quite terrifying and super humbling. But we're the largest church in all of northern Arizona. And, and so talk about royal position. Um, who knows that God has put us here for such a time as this because... He has blessed us the way that he's blessed us. He's resourced us the way that he's resourced us. And we're standing on the shoulders of a whole lot of leadership and faithful people in the church uh, that have been here for years, setting us up well, and they've handed the baton off, and we're just trying to be faithful to the Lord in what he's got for us as well. But we look around, and, and we see tons of people right in our own community who still don't know Jesus. If you filled all the seats and all the churches at all the services, it's still like less than 20% of the population of the Quad City area are in church. And being in church isn't the goal, but them coming to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, that's the goal. And then he brings them a, a body, uh, the, 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 the church, to find community where they can grow and then they can give back. Our church, we, we are so blessed. I mean, as far as giving is concerned, our church is debt-free. We have been faithful to uh, saving money, which is why we can jumpstart on the parking lot that's to come without having to burden uh, people because you've been giving. And, and the people that handle all of that have been so good, faithful stewards with the finances um, that have been given. But the reality with that as well is, is our giving, um, consistently matches our expenditures. Uh, we, we don't ever spend more than we receive. We've got years and years of track record of that. But, um, if we want to press out or continue to do more, then just breaking even year after year isn't going to quite do it. And so we got a process. Well, what does that, that look like? And I, don't, I hate even talking about this, but you need to know. Um, the reality is, is that um, in a church of over 3,000 people, there's about 100 households that fund the entire church. And so this isn't so much about, you know, we, you know, we need millions of dollars for this, that, and the other thing. It's just, if, if you call this Heights home and you're invested, then, then it's a privilege really to give back in some way, shape, or form as about 100 households are for the other uh, you know, 3,000 that are here. And so it, it's just kind of an interesting thing to process. I've never seen the names or any of it. I just, we, we see the reports and the numbers. And so it's just kind of interesting work that we've got before us. Okay. Here, can I tell you where I'm so excited? I just want to share these areas. There's five areas that I want to share with you. And within those areas, the specifics, uh, the when and the how, we don't know yet. And so we need you to be praying. Leadership has a number of ideas. Ultimately, it's going to come back to us to seek the Lord and listen well and, and interact well with the church and figure out, okay, what's the wisest course of action? But we are all really excited about these five areas. How and when we go about that, that's up to the Lord. And so here, here's the areas that I would love for you just to be uh, praying about. Um, first has to do um, with, uh, with our campus improvements. Um, there's the H-Run renovation, parking lot, children's building, a coffee shop. There's a number of things that have been discussed. 
Um, but, but which one? You know, the parking, that's crucial, uh, that we've seen the need for that. Um, this building right here, the city has given permits to us to um, build out the overhangs on this building. So there's the awning that goes off this side. There's an awning that goes off the back side. There's an awning that goes off the front side. So we've talked about, oh, you could reorient the coffee shop. And there's so much ministry that happens there. And then it could even be open all week long, which continues to fund missions. And there's a whole lot of ministry space that a whole lot of groups throughout the week could use. There is uh, ability to push the stage back a little bit if we just go back under the overhang. It's not a new building, but that gives us more room in here. Um, we can put some classrooms and some different things in different places. Children's ministry building. The front of H4, um, it was originally designed to have this Quonset hut stick out the front and increase a whole lot of, of more uh, a space for the, the kids in there, which we desperately need at this point. It just was never completed. Um, that That is a just a no-brainer to me from check-in, from safety, from place for the kids to, to be. Um, a, a number of those sorts of things, just improvements around here. It's a lot like your house. If you've had it for 15 or 20 years, then you know just as well. There's AC units that start to go, and there's um, roofing issues, and there's things that you got to paint and uplift. We're, we're right there just as a, as a house of God church family in, in that regard. But when I start thinking about what God's doing here to increase the capacity of ministry that can take place on our current location, being good stewards with the land that he's already given us, we've got about 28 acres of land, only eight or nine of which are currently developed. So what, what's that mean? What are we supposed to do with it? We're seeking the Lord on it. And I, I would appreciate you seeking the Lord on it because I really think that he's called us to do all of these things. But does that mean that we have to uh, do them all tomorrow and take out a, a $100 million loan or a $100,000 loan to do? No, we, we can do this uh, a number of different ways. Do we do the, uh, the, the I don't want to offend anybody here, but the, the Hyundai version of it, or do we do the Ferrari version of it? You know, that even even all the different things. You could do some and not the other, or the extent of which you do each of them is still things that we're praying and processing through. But all really, really uh, exciting. Our ability to continue to minister and be good stewards over this house here that God's given. Prescott Valley is another area. Prescott Valley. Um, we've been talking and praying about what's it look like to launch a second Heights campus in our Quad City area, more on the eastern side of the Quad City area. What's that look like? Um, there are people that do not know Jesus, that direction, and, and more people are, 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 are ones that would opt to step into a location that's a little bit smaller and less intimidating than this. And service times, I mean, People that are new tending to come at these prime optimal hours in the morning. And so starting a 3 p.m. service, uh, you know, a sixth or seventh service doesn't necessarily help us a ton. But you go to Prescott Valley and there's different people to reach. Some of you are from Prescott Valley and would be open as missionaries to migrate back to the land from whence you came and <laughs> begin to, to, as missionaries, work and support that local church heights campus there and we but it could be any number of things you you lease or purchase a, a building that can be used all week long for ministry we drove by and look at this 
grocery store that is for sale. And we walked up and, and there's a big empty area out front of the grocery store that as we walked up, um, where they would put like the grocery carts, um, store them there. It's all empty right now. But it's not just empty. On the ground, there's urine stains and there's bedrolls from homeless people. And rather than that being a turnoff instantly, I just felt this tug on my heart like, this is where we need to do church. This is where we need to be. Now, do you need to buy the building or lease the building to minister to the homeless? No. So that leads us a whole other direction. Um, but could it be used for ministry and a church campus? Yes. Could we find a, a, a performing arts center at a junior high in Dewey or something and just rent that for super cheap weekly just to hold? So, of course. So we're praying and we're thinking because that's close enough that would free seats from here, um, but further enough away to reach new people who don't know Jesus. That gets me excited. Um, Northern Arizona. There's about three quarters of a million people in Northern Arizona, or depending on how you look at it, there's only three quarters of a million people in Northern Arizona, about a third of which are on Indian reservations. And so now the burden of leadership is, is continued to feel the sense that God wants us to be used by him to reach northern Arizona. And that might have to do with coming alongside ministries or churches that already exist just to support them. It may have to do with starting something new. We don't know. But all we know is God keeps bringing opportunities to us. He's uh, got families uh, that, that come regularly to Heights. They call Heights home and they come weekly from Sedona and they're making the drive over and there's a group now Then they've met each other and their solid families love the Lord and they've offered, they've said, we will build the shoulders upon which you build some sort of ministry site or church or whatever in the Sedona area if, if that's something that you could do. Sometimes it's begging and sometimes it's, you know, hey, we're open and so it's fantastic but we have to at least process it, the opportunity that comes up. There's college-age young adults in Flagstaff, some of our own and some others that we have heard of that are reaching out through NAU going, there's only a couple things going on for our age group up here. Um, could you send some people? Could a ministry Thursday night sort of thing start for college-age young adults up in Flagstaff and then maybe it grows into its own church? We don't know. We're praying about it. The, the, the opportunities come and you just try with all godly wisdom to say, okay, Lord, we're, we want to see, is this something that you're calling us to or, or not? Globally and, and locally is another area. Our hands and feet ministry has done such phenomenal work in these last years in zeroing in on what we're doing with missions across the world and missions right here in our own community. And there's more partnerships than I can even uh, describe in the time that we have, um, just to describe all the things that are already going on here locally and globally. But there's an opportunity that's just presented itself in Japan with a new ministry partner uh, that we have. We just partnered with a new ministry partner uh, that uh, they're trying to plant churches in the Osaka area of Japan. And it is unreached people groups in Japan. And it's very, very hard, hard soil. And this Mustard Seed Network and the Greer family, um, they went there years ago to begin planting churches and spreading the gospel. And they've been doing so. 
And as we've got an opportunity to partner, uh, we are now, you are now supporting them as Heights Global Partners in Japan, furthering the work of their ministry. But they're stuck in a spot where they're going, okay, we, we don't have, we don't have the ability to, they're leasing the building that they're in. Japan's expensive. And, other church plants that they started, Japanese church plants, are starting to kick in to help this church be able to purchase its own building. And a couple different churches in the United States are saying, we want to help you as well get a good foothold on the gospel there. And they're positioned right at a train stop where intersection of all these people come through and they're right there, but they're in a triangle-shaped building. And in Japanese culture, they don't like that. But Christian Japanese people are like, we don't care. That's fine. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There we go. Triangle all you want. <laughs> and so, so for us, we're going, okay, well, that's an investment that could a, could a church in Prescott, Arizona help a church in Japan financially? I hope so. God brought the opportunity and we can, we can help. Foster Adopt initiatives, you know, as a church, for us to partner with AZ-127 and caring for orphans is such a huge burden that we've got. Uh, the amount of foster kids that are out there are overwhelming in our state. But well over 100 children are sent out of our county because there's no place to put them uh, every year. Well, we may not be able to do everything overnight about the whole state, but we should be able to do something about a hundred kids getting sent out of our county, uh, in, in a year. And you may not be called to be a foster parent or an adoptive parent, but I think we've all got some part to play stepping up. This isn't a financial one. This is just giving of yourself saying, I'll babysit somebody that's being fostered so the foster parent can have some relief or I'll wrap myself around a family that's doing that. We can play a part in that. Bob Hoyt, Pastor Bob, is starting a ministry called Elements to the Recovery Community and they've got the ball rolling. It's going to meet an off-site location and minister to people in our community and there are so many that we cherish and value in this difficult journey as they're coming out of addiction and they're expecting within a month to have 300 people attending this every single week. That's going to need some people. That's going to need some volunteers that say, I know what that journey's like, or I love the people that are going through that journey. I'll, I'll help. Online ministry, so much going on in that regard. So many people log in after the fact to our weekend services. Um, not just in our area, but across the world. And they can track where all these hits come from. But to be able to minister to shut-ins in our community or people that have crazy work schedules and be able to minister to them online, not just that they can watch, but then a live team of ministers like you that could interact and dialogue online while they're watching. Hey, he just said this Bible verse, where is that? And oh, uh, it's over here in this book. And that's in the Old Testament and just typing back and forth. And I'll meet with you this week if you want to further the conversation. And I mean, pretty exciting. And then lastly, the, this residency program, uh, basically an internship program that our heart's getting stirred for. That's both for younger people and those that are at a different season of life that go, you know what? I've got a bandwidth for ministry that I haven't had before. 
I want to be equipped and then sent out. We know that if we are going to reach all of northern Arizona, we got to get really, really good at equipping and sending people from here. Rather than just getting big, fat, lazy, happy. But just to say, okay, now we're going to invest in this next generation of leaders. Uh, We're going to step up and maybe you can house some of them. Maybe you're an expert in a particular field and you can train up some of them. Um, but then we, we even go, okay, how do we even reach the Native American community? And then we get a call, hey, um, we're the Indian Bible College on a reservation in northern Arizona. Um, would you mind if we sent uh, a pastor to you that you could train up and then he can come back and plant some churches in northern Arizona on the reservation? Yes. <laughs> that sounds like something we can do. And, and, and so we can just see where God's already opening these opportunities and these doors. And so here's my ask. My ask is simply this. Would you please begin to seek the Lord's wisdom for our church? Do it individually, do it as a family, uh, do it with your life group. Seek the Lord's wisdom. We don't need man's wisdom and human talent. We need the Lord's wisdom in this. And we need the church, you all, on board in that journey. Also, would you seek the Lord for us as leaders? Would you pray for the leadership of the church? At some point, we have to listen well to the Lord and have good conversation with you all. At some point, the the decisions that we've got to make are incumbent on us and those that God has put into these leadership roles. And that's terrifying and exciting all at the same time. But would you pray for us? Because we need humility. We need unity. We need discernment. We need wisdom. We need all of that. Would you pray for the leaders? And then lastly, would you just pray about how you might invest in the life of this church? Your time, your talent, or your treasure? Would you begin to think through um, how you might invest financially if you're not already. Maybe you just it's just not a regular part of your life and, and you, if you had difficulty with it or inability to, I get that there are seasons like that. But if you're not already giving to the ongoing ministry, we need to keep that going. And maybe for you, the step is just to start giving. Others of you, maybe it has to do with, I'm going to give to this campaign. And that's a designated giving to say some of this stuff, as we continue to share with you, I, I want to see um, the more space provided here. I want to see more space provided for the kids, or I want to see the Japan thing happen, or the Sedona thing. And you'd, you'd give designated to the, the campaign. And in that regard, um, then we will just see, trust the Lord for his provision and for his timing on how all that, that pans out. And then would you consider how you might invest and pray about how you might invest personally? Uh, Here's here's how I'm wired and here's how I'd love to to give back. Here's how I'd love to serve. Here's how I'm wired and I'd love to be a part of making a missional move outward in this capacity. Would you pray about that? If you remain silent at this time, deliverance, relief will arise from another location you and your family will perish. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but the crazy part is, is right after Mordecai says that, this is what Esther 
responds with in verses 15 and 16. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. And she does go. And the king does listen. And relief and deliverance comes to all the Jews through her step of faith. But I love that she already knows she's going. She knows she's going to the king. But that doesn't mean she's not going to invite the Lord's wisdom and direction and heart into her thinking, into her processing. And we all need to be doing that together. Would you join with us in that this week? And we'll keep the info coming. And so, Father, thank you so much for our church, these precious people. I ask, Lord, that you would give us wisdom and direction that you'd give us unity, and that you'd provide, not just for our needs, but for the needs that are far off in our city, in our community, and even across the world. We love you so much. Thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.